2: Welcome to The Fireside. I'm your host, Nicole. Fireside Anthology is a podcast where we collectively gather, relax, and listen to stories across all genres by a variety of authors. Come in. Relax with us.
3: The occasional car because it is an urban area. I recently acquired a copy of the collected writings of Amber Spear, and she's one of my favorite authors. I can't believe that it's it's gotten this long before I brought a copy. So I am so excited to introduce it.
2: Listeners, are you interested in starting your very own podcast, but you're not quite sure where to start and everything seems a little confusing? Rest assured, Anchor is here to take out the confusion of starting your own podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain it's free. Tools right in the app that allow you to record and edit your podcast. Simply, you know, you don't even have to download a bunch of expensive equipment. All you need is what you already have in your hand. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. You don't even have to worry about how to get it out. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership simply by posting ads like this one. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place is at anchor.fm. Download the free Anchor app. Or go to anchor
3: by Ambrose Pierce Pushing his adventurous shins through the deep snow that had fallen overnight and encouraged by the glee of his little sister, following the open way that he had made, a sturdy small boy, son of Grayville's most distinguished citizen, struck his foot against something which there was no visible sign on the surface of the snow. It is the purpose of this narrative to explain how it came to be there. No one who has had the advantage of passing through Greyville by day can have failed to observe the large stone building crowning the low hill to the north of the railway station, that is to say, to the right, and going toward Great Mowbray. It is a somewhat dull-looking edifice of the early comatose order, and appears to have been designed by an architect who shrank from publicity, and although unable to conceal his work, even compelled, in this instance, to set it on an eminence in the site's men did what he honestly could to insurance a church against a second look. So far as concerns its outer and visible aspect, the arborish home for old men is unquestionably inhospitable to human attention. But it is a building of great magnitude and costs its benevolent founder the profit of many a cargo of the teas and silks and spices that his ships brought up from the underworld when he was in trade in Boston, though the main expense was his endowment. Although this reckless person had robbed his heirs-at-law of no less than a sum of half a million dollars and flung it away in a righteous giving, possibly it was with a view to get it out of sight of the silent big witness to this extravagance that he shortly afterward disposed of all his grave property that remained to him and and turned his back upon the scene of his prodigality and went off across the sea in one of his own ships. But the gossips who got their inspiration most directly from heaven declared that he went in search of a wife a theory not easily reconciled with that of the village humorists who saw on the avert the bachelor philanthropist had departed this life left Greyville to wit because the marriageable maidens had made it too hot to hold him however this may have been he had not returned and although at long intervals there had come to Greyville in a desultory way vague rumors of his wandering in strange lands No one seemed certain to know about him, and to the new generation he was no more than a name. But from above the portal of the home for old men, the name shouted in stone. Despite its unpromising exterior, the home is a fairly commodious place of retreat from the ills that its inmates have occurred by being poor and old and men. At the time embraced in this brief chronicle, they were in number about a score, but in acerbity, quarrelous, and general ingratitude, they could hardly be reckoned at fewer than a hundred. At, at least, that was the estimate of the superintendent, Mr. Silas Tilbody. It was Mr. Tilbody's steadfast conviction that always, in admitting new old men to place those who had gone to another and a better home, the trustees had distinctly in willed the frac- the infraction of his peace and the trial of his patience. In truth, the longer the institution was connected with him, the stronger was his feeling that the founder's scheme of benevolence was sadly impaired by providing any inmates at all. He had not much imagination, but with what he had, he was addicted to the reconstruction of the home for old men into a style of castle in Spain with himself as Castilian, hospitably entertaining about a score of sleek and prosperous middle-aged gentlemen, consummately good-humored and civilly willing to pay for their and lodging. In this provides project of philanthropy, the trustees, to whom he was indebted for his office and responsible for his conduct, had not the happiness to appear. As to them, it was held by the village humorists, aforementioned, that in their management of the great charity, Providence had thoughtfully supplied an incentive to thrift, with the inference that we, which he expected to be drawn from that view which, have, which we have nothing to do. It had neither support nor denial from the inmates, who were certainly most concerned." They lived out their little remnant of life, crept into graves, neatly numbered, and were succeeded by other old men as like them as could be desired by the adversary of peace. If the home was a place of punishment for the sin of unthrift, the veteran offenders sought justice with a persistence that attested the sincerity of their penitence. It is to one of these that the reader's attention is now invited. In the matter of attire, this person was not altogether engaging, but for the season, which was midwinter, a careless observer might have looked upon him as a clever device of a husbandman and disposed to share the fruits of his toil with the crows that toil not, neither spin, an error that might not have been dispelled without longer and closer observation than he seemed to court. For his progress up Aberish Street toward the home in the gloom of the winter evening was not visibly faster than what might have have been expected of a scarecrow blessed with youth, health, and discontent. The man was indisputably ill clad, yet not without a certain fitness and good taste for all, for he was obviously an applicant for admittance to the homes where poverty was a qualification. In the army of indigence, the uniform is rags, and they serve to distinguish the rank and file from the recruiting officers. As the old man, entering the gates of the grounds shuffled up the broad walk, already white with the fast-falling snow, which, from time to time, he feebly shook from its various...
0: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door.
2: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor-guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com.
4: Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues
3: Of vantage on his person, he came under inspection of the large globe lamp that burned always by night over the great door of the building. As if unwilling to incur its revealing beams, he turned to the left and, passing a considerable distance along the face of the building, rang at a smaller door, emitting a dimmer ray that came from within through the fanlight and expended itself incuriously ahead. The door was opened by no less a personage than the great Mr. Tilbury himself. Observing his visitor, who at once uncovered and somewhat shortened the radius of the permanent curvature of his back, the great man gave visible token of neither surprise nor displeasure. Mr. Tilbury was, indeed, an uncommonly good humor, a phenomenon ascribable doubtless to the cheerful influence of the season, for this was Christmas Eve, and the morrow would be that blessed 365th part of the year that all Christian souls set apart for mighty feats of goodness and joy. Mr. Tilbury was so full of the spirit of the season that its fat face and pale blue eyes, whose ineffectual fire served to distinguish it from an untimely summer squash, effused so genial a glow that it seemed a pity that he could not have lain down in it, basking in the consciousness of his own identity. He was hatted, booted, overcoated, and umbrellaed as he became a person who was about to expose himself to the night and the storm on an errand of charity. For Mr. Tilbury had just parted from his wife and children to go downtown, and purchased the wherewithal to conform the annual falsehood about the hunch-bellied saint who frequents the chimneys to reward little boys and girls who are good and especially truthful. So he did not invite the old man in, but saluted him cheerily. "'Hello, just in time. A moment later and you would have missed me. Come, I have no time to waste. We'll walk a little way together.' "'Thank you,' said the old man." upon whose thin and white but not ignoble face the light from the open door shone an expression that was perhaps disappointment but if the trustees if my application the trustees Mr. Tilplity said closing more doors than one and cutting off two kinds of light have agreed that your application disagrees with them certain sentiments are inappropriate to Christmas tide, but humor like death has seasons for his own Oh, my God! cried the old man in so thin and husky a tone that the invocation was anything but impressive, and to at least one of his two auditors sounded indeed somewhat ludicrous to the other. But that is a matter which laymen are devoid of the light to expound. Yes, Mr. continued Mr. Tilbury, accommodating his gait to that of his companion, who was mechanically and not very successfully retracing the track which he had made through the snow. They have decided that, under the circumstance—under the very peculiar circumstances, you understand— it would be inexpedient to admit you, as superintendent and ex-officio secretary of the Honorable Board, as Mr. Chilberty read his title clear the magnitude of the big building seen through its veil of falling snow, appeared to suffer somewhat in comparison. It is my duty to inform you that, in the words of Deacon Graham. The chairman, your presence in the home, would, under the circumstances, be peculiarly embarrassing. I felt it my duty to submit to the Honorable Board the statement that you made to me yesterday of your needs, your physical condition, and the trials which it has pleased Providence to send upon you in your very proper effort to present your claims in person, but, after careful, and I may say prayerful, consideration of your case, with something too, I trust, of the large charitableness appropriate to the season, it was decided that we would not be justified in doing anything likely to impair the usefulness of the institution entrusted, under Providence, to our care. They had now passed out of the grounds. The street lamp opposite the gate was dimly visible through the snow. Already the old man's former track was obliterated, and he seemed uncertain as to which way he should go. Mr. Tilbury had drawn a little away from him, but paused and turned half toward him, apparently reluctant to forego the continuing opportunity. Under the circumstances, he resumed, the decision, but the old man was inaccessible to the suasion of his verbosity. He had crossed the street into a vacant lot and was going forward rather divisively toward nowhere in particular, which... He, having nowhere in particular to go, was not so reasonless in proceeding as it looked. And that is how it happened that, the next morning, when the church bells of all Greyville were ringing with an added unction appropriate to the day, the sturdy little son of Deacon Brian, breaking away through the snow in to the place of worship, struck his foot against the body of a massa Abrush philanthropist.
2: Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed our story this week. Um, If you did, there's one way that you could show your appreciation for this podcast. Please tell a friend. Subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. Um, Those two ways help us more than you would ever imagine, you know. We just want to make our way into more ears and settle into more bedrooms and living rooms and quiet spaces and, um, you know, you can help with that by sharing. If you still so feel inclined to support us even more than you are right now because, dear listener, just your presence here is support please feel free to buy us a coffee. That's not an actual coffee, but monetary support through co-fi.com slash firesideantho. The link is, in you know, our bio and on our Instagram where you can find us at firesideantho. That's all for this week, dear listener. I hope that you found some rest with this story. Until then, good night.